This is Blackstone Joe, and you're listening to Slick Talk. If I say I'm an oil man, you will agree. There's a stink of oil out here. Welcome to episode 81. Not only does this episode mark the start of 2023 for this podcast, it is also the debut of a brand new intro track. And if you were listening closely, you'll notice there were three distinct audio clips in this new intro. The first listener to correctly identify the source of each clip, give us a call at our voicemail. That number is 614-407-6169, because if you are the first listener to correctly identify the source of each audio clip, you'll be the recipient of Slick Talk Swag. So give that voicemail a call. Speaking of our voicemail, I want to give a shout out to Alan and Matt for being the first to answer the bell and send in voicemails of your own. We will be featuring each of your voicemails in this episode, so stay tuned. If you didn't hear me introduce our voicemail on the last episode, this is an opportunity for you, the listener, to submit your questions, comments, episode ideas. You know, this could be relating to our business, how we do what we do, or if you have questions about your reports, a maintenance issue you're having on your end, wondering if oil analysis can help, feel free to call that voicemail and we will feature your calls in our upcoming episodes. Today's episode is titled An Ode to 2022. To sum up this past year, I chose three different topics. One is Slick Talk specific, one is all about the data, and one is an opportunity where I was able to learn about aircraft, this time away from the data and up in the air. The first order of business is Slick Talk specific. And looking back at our stats from this past year, one jumped out at me, and that was the episode that had the most interaction, the most plays, that being episode 77, which is titled No Oil, No Problem. For a moment, I was wondering why this episode in particular struck such a chord, and then it really made sense to me once I realized that it's hard to find a better illustration of the value of used oil analysis than an engine running very low or having no oil at all, usually due to a loose oil filter, a rapid leak, leading to sudden loss of oil where the owner is then left to wonder what are the ramifications? What happened to my engine? What shape was the oil that, if any, was remaining? What shape was that oil in? And what's going to happen now? Oil analysis is simply the only way to know what's going on other than taking apart your engine and having a look at the internals. A much more expensive proposition, taking an oil sample and learning, okay, what are the wear levels? What are the physical properties? Where is the engine at now? And do we have any red flags to keep an eye on moving forward? Oil analysis is simply the only way to really know what happened as a result of running with little or no oil. If you didn't get a chance to check out this episode, I would encourage you to do so because we break down varied instances where folks were able to escape with 
little to no sign of excess wear. Now, in some cases, samples looked even a little too good. And I break down why that can be and guide you on how to take a sample following an instance like this. In brief, you want to obtain a sample with a decent amount of use to learn what the impacts were of such an incident. After you find out the engine's low on oil, you fill it back up. You don't want a sample right then because the oil hasn't had much time to accumulate metal and therefore you can gain a little too much confidence just based on a sample looking good because it hasn't had any real use. Adding on some real mileage, at least a thousand miles is a good benchmark and then sampling to see what the impacts were of an incident like running on very little oil. That's the way to learn where your wear levels stand and if you have any possible signs of trouble to keep an eye on moving forward. In looking back at this episode, I also recalled one instance that I didn't break down in episode 77, but I thought you all might be interested to hear it. And that is where an engine wasn't running low on oil due to a problem, but an incident where a customer decided that in lieu of actual API certified gasoline engine oil, they decided to run a sump of entirely Marvel Mystery Oil because they wanted to, I don't know, cleanse the engine of all possible impurities. This was a measure that really struck me by surprise. Often I'll feel like I'm going through the motions looking at one sample after another of just typical instances maintenance-wise, you know, regular oil change, routine maintenance, I ran a bit longer between oil changes. I want to see how things are going. And you get used to seeing a familiar narrative, one after another. And then you pull up a sample where it's just Marvel Mystery Oil that has been run for, I think this customer ran the car around the block a couple of times and then shutting the engine off and then draining all of that Marvel Mystery Oil and then filling up with the used oil. But they sent... That Marvel Mystery Oil, again, they wrote that that was the entire sum. Now, thankfully, I think because they didn't run the oil very long, or I should say lack thereof, of actual gasoline engine oil with the additive that you need to protect the engine and clean it, things didn't look bad. Uh, in fact, we didn't find much metal. I think that's because they ran it for a very short period of time. But there again is another instance where... I think it would surprise a lot of folks that things didn't look heinous, you know, following that sort of incident. But as always, we encourage you to run API certified oil that meets the manufacturer's specs because it will have the additive that you need. Now, of course, using a minor amount of Marvel Mystery Oil, that's fine. It's not going to hurt anything. It's also not going to skew your results. But Running an entire sump of Marvel Mystery Oil is a bold choice, uh, one that I would not recommend. If you really want to clean the engine out, you know, using a flush is fine. Always let us know what you're running, the additives you're using in case it is something that skews our results. While Marvel Mystery Oil won't skew our results, it is something that I wouldn't encourage you to run close to the majority or the full sump. But it is an instance where an engine that didn't have the required amount or anywhere close of the API certified oil was able to not look bad at all because I think it wasn't run very long with a majority, if not full, sump of Marvel Mystery Oil. 
But I also think it would surprise a lot of folks to know that we test a lot of samples where the customers have a situation where the engine was very low on oil and actually looks okay. And again, I think that mainly boils down to people catching a problem fairly early. And of course, you do have those situations where they sample fresh oil that's been added right afterwards. And then, you know, that can provide a little bit of false hope at times. But it really isn't unusual for engines to look okay. You know, you want to catch the situation early, no matter what. Don't ask the engine to go on a very low oil level, as that can result in not only the engine wearing heavily, but the oil deteriorating rapidly due to being asked to take care of the entire engine when it's only a minor amount. Take care of that oil level ASAP if you find yourself in an incident where you're running on very low. Hopefully not, but sometimes folks will run out of oil entirely, shut the engine off, add the oil, and then we'll go from there. Now we're going to shift gears and dive into the data. This is in regards to the first voicemail we're going to feature today, this one from Alan. Yes, this is Alan Covert. Just calling about some results from my last two labs. Um, I found a faulty map sensor. I was wondering if that could cause the 1% fuel dilution that was going on. Really enjoy the podcast. Keep up the great work. This was a fun question to investigate on my end. So I started by looking at samples in our database where customers had noted a faulty map sensor. And then I went looking at the results. Believe it or not, fuel dilution wasn't a common find in instances where a faulty map sensor was reported. However, it makes complete sense to wonder about fuel dilution because known symptoms of a faulty map sensor include things like a rough idle, poor fuel economy, a strong smell of gasoline. Instead of excess fuel, I found several instances where metals were a bit high um, in different areas as well. Um, some with high bearing wear, some with high cylinder area wear. Now, it's also worth noting that these were generally the first samples. These were generally engines where we didn't have a lengthy track record, so it was hard to know for sure if the excess wear was indeed a result of the faulty map sensor or not. But the main thing I want you to take away from this research is that fuel dilution was not a given in these cases. Now, in Allen's samples, we were finding mild amounts, 1% fuel based on the flashpoint. It is certainly possible that the mild amounts of fuel that we are finding were related to the faulty map sensor. The good news, though, is that if we were to find amounts such as this again after the map sensor is corrected, then I still wouldn't have reason to think that there was a issue with the fuel system, the map sensor, so on and so forth, because 1% is mild enough that it could also be from normal use. So at the end of the day, whether this is related to the map sensor or not, it's not a concerning result. But here again, we have an illustration of the value of used oil analysis in the sense that were the customer not to have sampled and merely had a faulty map sensor in play, they would be left to wonder what, if any, fuel dilution is there. Is the engine wearing poorly as a result? Is the oil's physical condition being impacted? All of this would be unknown without sending in a sample of the used oil. So credit to Alan. We know that the amounts of fuel have been mild. They could certainly be related to the map sensor, but 
Were this situation to arise again, that being a small amount of fuel, still not reason to be overly concerned. We're always mindful, though, of mild amounts, even though I'm going at length to describe this as a benign result. It's still one that we do keep an eye on. We do want to monitor it because it can stick out like a sore thumb if you have an engine with a lengthy track record of no measurable fuel. And then all of a sudden we find some mild amount. Like when I'll be looking at aircraft, sometimes there will be files where we have 20, 30 samples worth of data and no measurable fuel. And then we'll see, say, a trace. A trace, obviously, as mild as, as it can be. That's below the 0.5% we can start putting a percentage on. But we're still mindful of it suddenly showing up out of nowhere. So that can prompt a question. Was this a cold sample? Was it a sample taken after a short flight? a brief ground run, whatever the case may be, we want to know if there is a change from the norm because it would be a likely explanation for this sudden development. Keep us posted, as Alan did here, credit to him, when you have a known issue on your end or if you have a question about why this result could be. The more information we have, the better off we are. And fortunately, only mild amounts of fuel, if it's not impacting the oil and they clear up, it's mainly just something to note. Now we step out of the office and up in the air where I found myself in an RV-12 piloted by none other than president of Blackstone Laboratories, Ryan Stark. This is my first time flying in a general aviation aircraft. And not only that, really only the third time flying ever. Um, I'd flown to Dallas, Texas in high school. I'd flown, to, I'd flown into Punta Gorda Airport in Florida one time. Needless to say, flying is very new to me. It's not because I have a phobia, per se. I'm just far more comfortable behind the wheel. Maybe that has something to do with my dad having been a trucker for so many years, but either riding shotgun or being behind the wheel for hours at a time doesn't bother me. And with this being my first time up in the air in a general aviation aircraft, I'll be honest, I didn't know how exactly I was going to handle it. So, of course, every step of the way, I nodded and said, I'm ready to go. I'm fine. And meanwhile, in my head, my thoughts are racing. But I want to go through with it. I want to know what it's like. And boy, am I glad I did. Having the chance to go up and fly in an RV-12 was a trip literally around Fort Wayne. And seeing Fort Wayne from this particular advantage was so cool. It was a flight that allowed me to have such an up-close and personal experience because when you're flying on a commercial aircraft, it's really easy to just zone out, take your mind off it, turn up some music, just sort of be somewhere else mentally. Whereas when you're up in an RV-12, it is very immediate. Everything is immediate. You are, if you are like me, six foot two, which is just tall enough to fit. <laughs> Otherwise... Any more height, and I'm not sure I would have made it, but being up close and personal with the experience the entire time is so cool, and it goes from visceral, I think, to comfortable, and then by the time you're landing, it feels, honestly, far more comfortable than I could have imagined, and it was such a cool experience I want to have again, and really, it just allows for a better connection, I think. So if you are a potential aircraft customer, you've been wondering, you know, what does Blackstone really care about my aircraft? Do they have people who are invested in this field? 
Do they have people who even know what these engines look like up close? You can rest assured that not only do we have multiple pilots on staff, we have analysts who have been in these aircraft. They know what the experience can be like, and they can relate to you on a level beyond the data, the report. You know, we care enough about what you're experiencing up there to get a taste of that experience ourselves. And really, it just makes for a better report, a better comment, an analysis that takes into account what it's like when you're up there, because we have been there too. Not only was this a great year for the podcast, it was a fantastic year for our social media interaction in general. A couple of projects that we completed this year, and I want to make sure to shout them out. The first being oil analysis from start to finish. This was a video series we worked on in partnership with Sonny, aka M3 Tech. You can follow him on YouTube, M-T3CH. Check out his YouTube channel. If you are an M3 owner or a BMW enthusiast, I think you'll find a lot of great content there. And in our series, Oil Analysis from Start to Finish, you get to learn so much about Blackstone and also what it's like on the customer end. If you are new to this, you will see how we put our kits together, what it's like to take a sample, credit to Sunny for properly showing how to take a sample. Then you get to see what it's like during the analysis process. What does the lab work include? How do we get our samples ready for testing? And then you have a live chat between Sonny and myself where you get to have a breakdown of the results. What do these elements mean, the physical properties, the tests we run, what are the impacts of certain results, the differences in the types of oil you use. You get a whole lot of information that if you are either new to this or you want to become more of an expert at what we do, this is a video series for you. So check out Oil Analysis from Start to Finish. We have reels on our Instagram that are just brief previews. So if you've only seen those, go to our YouTube for the full episodes of oil analysis from start to finish. Another collaboration I'm proud of, and this ties in with our second and final voicemail of the episode, is one we did with Matt B, aka Garage underscore Engineer. That's his Instagram handle. Go check him out. He puts out great content. A lot having to do with his 87 Camaro, a car that we are fortunate enough to have samples from, and we're glad that we linked up with Matt. If you don't know his story, check out our collab episode of Slick Talk, episode 59, titled Behind the Wheel with Garage Engineer. We are able to detect a coolant leak in this particular engine, and thanks to Matt's effective maintenance, he was able to correct the problem and you get to learn all about this car the samples he sent in the way he was able to make a comeback with this engine it's a fun story matt's a great guy go give him a follow on instagram it is a collaboration we hope to do again this upcoming year hey this is uh, matt bernie calling from boston massachusetts uh, also known as garage engineer on instagram just want to say thanks blackstone joe for having me on the podcast earlier this year you really gave me some confidence in my car and helping me diagnose a head gasket issue and, and fixing that issue and, and having some positive results after that and making sure that the problem really was solved really helped me, um, you know, have some confidence driving the car a ton this year. So big thanks to you. Um, hopefully we can get some more miles and some more tests in next year. But um, just want to say thanks again. It was a huge help having those tests done and giving me some confidence in my car. And 
saved me a lot of money diagnosing some wrong, wrong problems. So uh, looking forward to doing many more tests next year. Thanks, Joe. Bye. This is Blackstone Joe signing off. Thanks for listening.